Hello, this is Gary Hutchins with the Sunny Slope Church of Christ in Omaha, Nebraska. Welcome to our Sunday morning Bible class. We podcast a Bible study each Sunday morning for those who cannot be with us in person at the Sunny Slope Church of Christ right here in Omaha. Now, that would include people in the Omaha area who, for scheduling reasons or maybe because of physical or health reasons, cannot be with us in person, and also for people who live in other parts of the country and literally around the world who want to be in God's Word. They want to study. They want to hear God's Word being taught. They want to learn God's Word, but they can't be with us in person. And so we're thankful that we're able to be here with all of you and for all of you through the medium of the internet and by means of these podcasts. If you're in the Omaha area, we encourage you to come and be with us in person if you can. And we hope you'll be able to do that. The church building is located at 3606 North 108th Street right here in Omaha. Bible classes begin Sunday mornings at 9 o'clock, and I'm sorry, 9.30, followed by worship at 10.30. Sunday evenings at 6 o'clock, we come back together for another period of worship and Bible study. Wednesday evenings, middle of the week, 6.30 each Wednesday evening, midweek Bible classes. You're welcome to any and all of these services. Now, we encourage you to share these studies with everybody you can. You can do that through Facebook friends, text messages, and other technological means. But we also encourage you to take advantage of this yourself, but also tell everyone you can to go to our website at churchofchrist.com, churchofchrist.com, and click on the podcast button and sign up for our podcasting. It's free. It always will be free. We're not after people's wallets. We want to help people get to heaven. And when somebody signs up for our podcasting, they will automatically receive to their device, whether that's their smartphone or computer or whatever they choose, they will automatically receive Sunday morning Bible class, Wednesday night Bible class, all of our sermons, and a whole lot more daily teaching seven days a week that will come to them automatically to their smart device. And again, it will always be free. So tell everybody you can and take advantage of it yourself. Churchofchrist.com. We're going to get back into our study in the book of Judges. And as we left off last time, we finished chapter 7, and we saw where Gideon was chosen by God as a judge to deliver the people, at least a portion of the people of Israel, from their oppressors. And that would have been the Midianites, um, uh, um, and the Midianites, among others, who had basically conquered at least a portion of Israel and put the people under subjection. And so Gideon, remember that he is rather taken aback as God communicates to him that he wants him to lead an army against the oppressors and that God will give him, give them the victory over those enemies. And so Gideon asks for a couple of signs that God would demonstrate to assure him that God was really talking to him here, really communicating with him. And it was really God that was saying, I want you to go do this. And so at one point he said, hey, how about putting a fleece on the ground and all the ground uh, around it will be dry, and but the fleece will be wet. Now, we're, think about how dew falls upon the ground during the night in certain parts of the country, at least. And so God, God 
you know, showed him that sign. He gave him that sign. But Gideon asked for another sign, and he said, you know, how about if 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 the the fleece would be wet, but all the ground would be dry, or you know, if the ground would be wet and the fleece would be dry. And so he, he asked for those two signs, and God God showed him both signs exactly as Gideon had asked, and then. A mighty multitude, I mean, we could call it quite an army of Israelites, joined Gideon to go into battle against their enemy, their oppressors, and God had already said, I'll give you the, I'll give you the victory. But now, God looked at how many there were, and I believe there were 32,000, 32,000, and uh, they were going to do battle against the enemies. Now, the enemies still would have vastly outnumbered them, but, but it was an impressive number of, of Israelites who came together to go into war. And so God said, ah, you got too many folks there, too many men. Uh, put out the word. Anybody who, want, who is really afraid, send him home. And so 22,000 left. Well, that left Gideon with 10,000. <laughs> You're talking about, uh, you know, basically two-thirds of the army was gone. And so he's left with 10,000. God says, no, still too many. I wonder what was going through Gideon's mind at this point. Uh, Lord, (laughs) look at that army out there standing against us. Even with 32,000, they were vastly outnumbered. And now you've told me to send home, you know, two-thirds of our army. And you say, we still got too many. But God was trying to get across a lesson, not just to Gideon, but to the people of Israel, supposedly his people, the ones he had raised up to be the bloodline through which he would send the Savior into the world. He's trying to get across this lesson to them. I am God. You're not going to gain the victory by yourself. I'm going to give you the victory. And so... God gave Gideon some further instructions, and that whittled the number down to 300. 300. Now, there is no way from a military perspective. Talk about strategy all you want. Talk about military tactics. There's no way that that, those 300 men could have defeated that mighty, vast army that was out there waiting to do battle with them. Even their camels were said to be basically innumerable. (laughs) So think how many men there were. But again, it was going to be God who gave them the victory. And so in the night, in the darkness of night, as Gideon gave those 300 men with him instructions as to what to do, they caused massive confusion. But was it just them? No, it was God who caused massive confusion within the enemy camp. And the enemy started fighting against one another in the darkness and killing each other. And ultimately, the battle was won by those Israelite men, those 300. But at the end of chapter 7, the ultimate victory had not yet been fully accomplished. So we pick up with chapter 8. Now the men of Ephraim said to him, why have you done this to us by not calling us when you went to fight with the Midianites? And they reprimanded him sharply. Well, that's interesting. That's interesting. So 300 men and um, 
In verse 24 of chapter 7, Gideon sent messengers throughout all the mountains of Ephraim, saying, Come down against the Midianites and seize from them the watering places as far as Bethbarah and the Jordan. Then all the men of Ephraim gathered together and seized the watering places as far as Bethbarah and the Jordan. You might say, well, why the watering places? An army cannot travel very far effectively without water. And so if you take, if, if you if you cut them off from water sources, uh, you're already putting them at a, at a disadvantage. Ultimately, that's going to affect them extremely on the physical side. And so at the beginning of chapter 8, the Ephraimites, they, they, they're reprimanding, they're rebuking, they're challenging Gideon. Why did you not call us to begin with? And I think what, what the you know, kind of imagery here is, they wanted to take part in the battle and share in the glory of defeating this enemy. So he said to them, what have I done now in comparison with you? Is not the gleaning of the grapes of Ephraim better than the vintage of Abiazer? God has delivered into your hands the princes of Midian, Oreb, and Zeb. And what, ha- what was I able to do in comparison with you? Then their anger toward him subsided when he said that. So he's basically kind of, yeah, buttering them up, so to speak. And, and God has given them the victory anyway. And so, you know, okay, you know, they, their anger or challenge to him, yeah, it wanes, it goes down. Verse 4, when Gideon came to the Jordan, he and the 300 men who were with him crossed over, exhausted but still in pursuit. <clears throat> so they're chasing the enemy. Now remember, as I said last time, when wars were fought in ancient times in that part of the world, uh, it's not like what we see as war today that might go on for years and years and years and battle after battle after battle after battle. It's basically one big battle, maybe two, and the war's over. And so both armies throw everything they have into the field against each other and one's going to come out defeated, and the other one's going to be victorious. Well, here, the battle's basically been won by Gideon and the 300 men, again, God giving them the victory, because there was no way just 300 could have defeated that enemy by themselves. God gave them the victory. But they're now still in pursuit of their enemy who is running away, the enemy army. What's left of them, they're, they're on the run. They're, they're fleeing. But Gideon and his 300 men are pursuing them. So they cross over the Jordan, and they're exhausted, but they're still in pursuit. Then he said to the men of Succoth, Please give loaves of bread to the people who follow me, for they are exhausted, and I am pursuing Zeba and Zalmunna, kings of Midian. And the leaders of Succoth said, Are the hands of Zeba and Zalmunna now in your hand, that we should give bread to your army? Uh, so the men of these of of, of, of Sukkah, the city there, they they're they're not convinced. Yeah, you're you're chasing these leaders of the Midianites. Uh, you haven't got them yet, have you? If we give you food, and it turns out you lose the battle, and they come back with an army, they can destroy our city. They can kill us, and so they withhold the bread that. That uh, or the food that Gideon is asking for for his for his three hundred warriors. So, <clears throat> verse twenty 
Verse 7, Gideon said, For this cause, when the Lord has delivered Zeba and Zalmunna into, your, into my hand, then I will tear your flesh with the thorns of the wilderness and with briars. Then he went up from there to Penuel and spoke to them in the same way. And the men of Penuel answered him as the men of Sokoth had answered. And so he's receiving no food from a couple of different sources here. And he's already told the first, the first source back in Sukkoth, the men of Sukkoth, he said, uh, I'm going to come back for you once, once God has given me the ultimate and final victory over the Midianites. I'll be back. And now the, uh, the men of, uh, of, of Penuel also said the same thing. Basically, uh, we're not going to give you any bread until, you know, you've caught those leaders until you've really won that, vic- you know, won that battle, won that war. So he also spoke to the men of Penuel saying, when I come back in peace, I will tear down this tower. Now Zeba and Zamuna were at Karkor and their armies with them, about 15,000. Okay, so Gideon's got 300. <clears throat> they still have 15,000. Now, <laughs> that's a fraction of the number of, of soldiers they had to begin with, but still, 15,000 against 300? Uh, no contest, is it? Well, from a physical perspective, from a worldly perspective. But remember, God had already told Gideon, uh, I'm going to give you the victory. It's not going to be, you know, through your military might or through your military genius, I'm going to give you the victory. And I want you to understand that. And I want all of the Israelites to understand that. So Zeba and Zalmunna were at Karkor and their armies with them, about 15,000, all who were left of all the army of the people of the east for 120,000 men who drew the sword had fallen. Think about that. 120,000 men in that army against Gideon were dead. Only 15,000 remained, and they were on the run, basically. Then Gideon, now Gideon, again, how many did he have with him? 300. But God was on his side and on the side of three of the 300 you know if god is with us that's all that matters god plus one equals a majority then gideon went up by the road of those who dwell in tents on the east of nobah and jagbahiah and the and he attacked the army while the camp felt secure so once again, he's catching them off guard. When Zeba and Zalmunna fled, he pursued them, and he took the two kings of Midian, Zeba and Zalmunna, and routed the whole army. Then Gideon, the son of Joash, returned from battle, from the ascent of Heres, and he caught a young man of the men of Sukkoth and interrogated him. And he wrote down for him the leaders of Sukkoth, and its elders, 27 men. Then he came to the men of Sukkoth and said, Here are Zeba and Zalmunna, about whom you ridiculed me, saying, Are the hands of Zeba and Zalmunna now in your hand? 
that we should give bread to your weary men. And he took the elders of the city and thorns of the wilderness and briars, and with them he taught the men of Zuccoth. Then he tore down the tower of Penuel and killed the men of the city. And he said to Zeba and Zalmunna, What kind of men were they whom you killed at Tabor? So they answered, As you are, so were they. Each one resembled the son of a king. Then he said, There are, they were my brothers, the sons of my mother. As the Lord lives, if you had let them live, I would not kill you. And he said to Jether, his firstborn, Rise, kill them. But the youth would not draw his sword, for he was afraid because he was still a youth. So Zeba and Zalmunna said, Rise yourself and kill us. For as a man is, so is his strength. So Gideon rose and killed Zeba and Zalmunna and took the crescent ornaments that were on their camels' necks. They won the battle. They won the war. The kings that stood against them were executed. Different kind of warfare to a great extent than we think about today. But again, it was a war, a battle to the end. And the people who were enemies of God's people were punished. It was ultimately God's judgment that was brought upon them. Verse 22, then the men of Israel said to Gideon, rule over us, both you and your son and your grandson also, for you have delivered us from the hand of Midian. But Gideon said to them, I will not rule over you, nor shall my son rule over you. The Lord shall rule over you. What a great lesson Gideon was telling the people. They were saying, you become our ruler. Gideon said, no. You and your son and your grandson. Gideon said, no. The Lord will be your ruler. And that's the way it was supposed to be. That was God's intention from the beginning. Verse 25, so they answered, we will gladly give them. And they spread out a garment and, and each man threw into the earrings from his plunder. Oh, I'm sorry, I skipped verse 24. Let me go back to verse 24. So after Gideon said, the Lord shall rule over you, Gideon said to them, I would like to make a request of you, that each of you would give me the earrings from his plunder. Just the earrings, for they have golden earrings because they were Ishmaelites. So they answered, we will gladly give them. And they spread out a garment and each man threw into it the earrings from from his plunder, just the earrings. Now, the weight of the gold earrings that he requested was 100, I'm I'm sorry, 1,700 shekels of gold, besides the crescent ornaments, pennants, and purple robes, which were on the kings of Midian, and besides the chains that were around the camel's necks. Then Gideon made it onto an ephod and set it up in his city, Ophrah. And all Israel played the harlot with it there. It became a snare to Gideon and to his house. Thus Midian was subdued before the children of Israel so that they lifted their heads no more. And the country was quiet for 40 years 
in the days of Gideon. It's interesting, though, don't skip over verse 27, where it talks about how the people, uh, they became more focused upon the gold, upon the wealth that Gideon brought home, and it also became a snare to Gideon. Money, what is, what is that verse in the New Testament? The love of money is a root of all evil. We have to keep our focus on God and his will for our lives. Then Jeroboam, the son of Joash, went and dwelt in his own house. That was Gideon. Gideon had 70 sons who were his own offspring, for he had many wives. And his concubine, who was in Shechem, also bore him a son, whose name he called Abimelech. Now Gideon, the son of Joash, died at a good old age and was buried in the tomb of Joash, his father, in Ophrah of the Abiathrites. So it was, as soon as Gideon was dead, that the children of Israel again played the harlot for the Baals and made Baal Berith their god. Now, again, you think, haven't you learned the lesson yet? You've turned away from God, at least partially, to worship idols. God has given you victory over your oppressors, your enemies, who put you in subjection in such a mighty way. God destroyed a massive army using only 300 men, basically, to do it. Did you not learn the lesson? God is God. There is no other. Those people whom, you, who, whom God led Gideon and his 300 to defeat, to destroy, those kings who put you under subjection, God led Gideon to execute, they were idol worshipers. I am the only God, the true God. And God gave the Israelites peace for 40 years. But now what happens? Another generation rises up, just as we read in the second chapter of Judges. They weren't there to see the victory that God gave Gideon and his warriors. And they became worshipers of idols again themselves. Verse 34, thus the children of Israel did not remember the Lord their God, who had delivered them from the hands of all their enemies on every side, nor did they show kindness to the house of Jeroboam, Gideon, in accordance with the good that he had done for Israel. How sad. How fickle mankind tends to be on a recurring basis. We'll pick up with chapter 9 next time. Let's go to our Heavenly Father in prayer. Father in heaven, thank you for giving us the accounts that you have laid out for us in the scriptures. Father, help us to learn the lessons and to not forget to teach our children and grandchildren and help them to believe in you as the true God and to worship you and serve you throughout their lives. And help us to do that as well, Father. Help people, motivate them to come to you through Jesus Christ, our Savior. 
Help us to learn the lessons and not forget them, Father. Please forgive us and hear our prayer, gracious Father. In Jesus' name, amen.